Hello, hello, hello. 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 Hi. Hey, everybody, and welcome to an utter episode of Indie Film Cafe. I'm your host, your old pal, the Moo Cow, a.k.a. Pauly Presenza, and I am joined by... Jonathan A. Moody. Excellent. And we are both joined by... Just Jen. Yay. <laughs> and the three of us are all joined by... Simply Joe. Yay. So Joe decided to come and join us for this movie because he was so excited about it. When I told him the title, he was like, I love that movie. It is so incredibly awesome. Wait, what? And trying to wash away past experiences. (laughs) Have you seen this? No, I have not seen this. Past experiences, other, other, other. Believe it or not, I was joking. I don't think any of you guys have seen it, and as a matter of fact, this is a movie that I saw when it came out way, way back in 1976. I was 10 years old, and it was awful, and it bombed, and I haven't seen it since. I didn't even think about it until I was online looking up for other movies, because, you know, that's what I do, and I bumped into it, and I was like, oh my god, I remember this, and then I found it online, and I watched it, and I was like... This is as bad as it was that I remember. However, this is a lot more fun watching it now than when I did back when I was 10 years old. You know, your life changes back then. <laughs> so, the movie we're about to watch is Wonton Ton, the dog that saved Hollywood. Wonton Ton Ton? What? <laughs> and he look, look at me. He looks so much like Duco. I figured you would love this. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I'm still kind of paying for Miss Werewolf, so I thought... I'd get you a movie, and it's got uh, mm. Madeline Kahn and Terry Garr, so your Blazing Saddles friends. Um, I don't know, though. Jen's been back a couple of times since <laughs> Miss Werewolf. I think she's I think she's gotten over it. I don't know if she'll ever get over there, that one. There's a lot of other things that you need to pay for beyond <laughs> that. Well, I'm, I'm paying it forward. And this is set in 1924, so silent era times, which I know you also kind of like. And there are a bevy, and I do mean bevy, of ex-has-been stars from that era and other eras in this movie. So it's a blink, don't blink or you'll miss them. But in the end, it's a dog movie, and who doesn't love a dog movie? Right? Cats. (laughs) <laughs> Probably. Oh okay. Start somewhere. <laughs> so we will be back to talk about this wacky movie after we hear some mood music. Everybody, we are back. So, what did we think about Wonton Ton, the dog that saved Hollywood? Just Jen. Poor title. It did not show how he saved Hollywood. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Think about it. it yeah. yeah. He didn't save Hollywood. He... But he yeah. saved our hearts. Mm. He's and he didn't even save everybody's heart. Like everybody at the well, we'll get to the story, but like he didn't really. Yeah, he for a long time he was he was unloved, you know. For <laughs> various dog. times throughout. Joe, the movie. what did you think? I wanted to like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to, and I, I obviously we'll get into parts of the story and stuff like that. But um, uh, there are some redeeming things out of it. But then there's some parts that goes down, down, yeah. down, down. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much what I'll say. I, I enjoyed most of it, you know. And I really like. I really enjoyed most of it. I thought I was probably laughing more than you guys were. But, uh, you know, so it's more. I think more geared toward a movie I would enjoy than something like Paul or or even just Jen would. But uh, or Joe. Um, apparently, I thought Joe would be laughing a lot more. But uh, then it kind of went too dark at times and had a little bit of too weird shit happening that I just, I, after a while, I got kind of like not 
you know, feeling good about the production itself, no, you know. Yeah, it's, by anybody's stretch of imagination, it's not a good film. Mm. But it has endeared itself to me in a way just because it's something that tries so hard and fails so badly that I actually get enjoyment of it by watching everybody else saying, oh my God, this is so bad. I'm noticing a theme with the movies that you pick. <laughs> They all seem to have that. It's not a good movie, but I like watching other people watch it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's a typical mm. Paul move, right there. Is like I want to, you know, he'll buy something and then he'll be like, I can't wait to show this on IFC but, to make people groan. But this is a little different. This is probably the most Hollywood movie that we've covered. This was a Paramount production, so it was a B movie because they still had B movies in 1977. And I'll talk a little bit about the background here. So first of all, again, Wonton Tan, The Dog That Saved Hollywood, 1976, directed by Michael Winner. This is a production that producer David Pickering, Picker decided he was going to make this movie. And when he, he shopped it all over the place, this started off, I think, in Columbia, and, uh, Columbia Pictures and Warner Brothers. And everybody was like, no, pass. <laughs> and took it to Paramount when he went to Paramount. And initially, it was supposed to be called uh, A Bark is Born. And that was the original title. It was supposed to be a, a send-up of Rin Tin Tin and that whole thing. Because Rin Tin Tin was like a big deal back in the 20s. Is this a parody of A Star is Born? Yeah. Exactly. Well, That's why they couldn't yeah. use that title, because that was around the same time yeah. A Star was Born was coming out. Yeah, the third remake of it, or second remake of right, it. Was right, 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 right. So they had to change yeah. the title to, to Wonton Tan, The Dog at Save Hollywood. So, yeah, they, uh, they had decided they were going to do this. And originally, it was supposed to be Lily Tomlin in that role. And Lily Tomlin got it. She made the script rewritten. She still didn't like it, so she passed. So then Bette Midler was going to do the <laughs> role. Midler. She passed on it. Cher was going to do the role. So was this going to be originally a musical? Like, <laughs> those are like musical artists. Yeah. You know? I know. Yeah, no, well, the thing about Madeline Kahn is she actually has a musical background. She actually mm. sang opera. So, But there wasn't, I mean, it didn't matter because yeah. it wasn't really used in here. But... The thing is, the movie was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten multiple times. It was passed on studios multiple times. It's one of those movies that nobody ever thought was ever going to get made. But finally, uh, David Picking said, yeah, let's go ahead and make this. It'll be a great movie. Yeah, it'll be a great movie. <laughs> um, so, and here's the biggest flaw in my opinion, in my humble opinion getting Michael Winner to be the director. Michael Winner was sort of a guy that, he was an English guy, he's from a sort of a, a Russian background, who did a lot of countercultural and mod flicks from the 60s in British cinema, okay? That was kind of his thing. And he did sort of darker movies as time progressed. So he did Death Wish 1 and Death Wish 3. Not really known for their comedies, you know. Uh, Scorpio, The Big Sleep, Murder on Campus, you're getting a theme here. Not known for his comedy, and he wouldn't know how to do a comedy at all. Apparently not. He no. decided he was going to do this. As a matter of fact, I found this wonderful quote on there from a guy uh, on the Internet Movie Database. He said, um, I worked on this film, and the director was a humorless hack who had no business directing comedy. He had too many people there were given too little to do, and nobody knew what they were doing. Mm. Which kind of you kind of yeah, get that feeling yeah. there. It does. It does have like this, like sort of almost sketch comedy feel, where but without the comedy. But like it has this like sketchy feel where uh, <laughs> we're sketchy, where it's like the you know all these different scenes, all these different meshups, kind of like sextet, where it is just random shit happening, and you're after a while you're like. What is going on? Mel Brooks. To me, this is what Mel Brooks... This guy wanted to do a Mel Brooks movie, is what it seemed like. Mel Brooks would have been a perfect director for this if this was like rewritten to be sort of yeah, his I mean, style. Yeah, I would love to talk to Mel Brooks. I would love to ask him about this. I would love to... I imagine he would say, yeah, they offered it to me, and I said, forget it. They would have, they would have to redo the... 
the third everything. act. Well, yeah, everything. You don't have to redo everything. Yeah. It's not. But, it's not written in his style. Well, you know, with, with what you're saying, the quote from the guy from that worked on it, that kind of makes sense because it was like instead of extras in the sense of background extras you have, it's like somebody who had some from the silent era or something like that. Because the cast list, when we watched the credits, it was like so many people that we knew, but so many people we didn't know. But I think was mm-hmm. known from mm-hmm. that time period. That it's just. Uh, and, and I think each one had their five seconds. Some of them know. like walked on, did their thing, and that's it. But to really no effect. Yeah. You know, if you were an old person, you knew it. That was one thing. But so Michael Winter, obviously, he didn't really do much with any of those folks. But he was kind of a big deal for a while. He actually turned down directing The French Connection. He turned down directing Jaws. Thankfully, he turned thankfully. down directing King Kong, the one with Jessica Lang, and he turned down several Bond movies. So. He was Michael, kind of a, Michael Winter, Michael yeah. Winter. So is that? Do you think that's why they mentioned like Jaws and some of the other things? Is like maybe uh, it was a I think that was of in joke part of the comedy mm-hmm. of whatever movie was popular at the time. Is oh, I've got a script for this. Well, I mean, okay. So first of all, it was interesting that in the 1920s, you know, a guy was trying to come up with a shark movie, you know, killer shark movie, like that didn't. That and they were calling it blockbusters, and I don't think the blockbuster. No, that game term wasn't even there. Wasn't even yeah. there. It's until, anachronistic. You know, uh, the seventies. So right. it was, it was sort of like that. Kind of irked me a little bit. Like that. That sort of made me go, okay, they're just forced yeah, humor. Yeah, they're just trying to make it funny. Well, this is a guy who did a lot of work with our buddy Cannon. So he directed a lot of Canon films. Hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, it almost feels like a Canon film. There, there was I, God. I forget the name of the of the. There's a documentary talking about all the Canon films. Oh yeah, yeah. Which yeah. one? There's two of them actually. Yeah, the the big most, most famous one. Well, he was actually the supposed to be. Boogaloo yeah, that's thing. the one. He was supposed to be interviewed for that, but he died right around the time that that oh. happened. Um, and as a matter of fact, later on, he when the whole U two thing, Michael, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Weinberg, when that whole Weinberg thing came out, he was also accused uh, by three women of insisting that uh, they, you know, take off their tops for him in order to oh, the get him. Yeah, the so Weinstein. Well, yeah, Weinstein. Yeah, Weinstein. So he, he kind of has lost a lot of his sparkle from his yeah. name over the years. Um, well, I think with what you're saying there, with, uh, with that, it, it hit on a lot of things that Me Too and stuff it, it, it didn't do it at the time but the stuff it, it played as humorous nowadays it's like no That's, no there's right. words used. there's a lot of stuff it, in this movie yeah the, a few words it was like cringe worthy moments it was like right Ew. and just like and just like the uh the one part where was uh Madeline Kahn is basically saying she'll be a star if that person can promise her to star in order to basically have sex with yeah. him, and she was willing to do it or something like, and it's just like, but it's sort yeah. of, it's sort of, kind of like there was a lot of actresses that were sort of like that then, mm-hmm. then back, you know, probably in the nineteen twenties. I'm sure that, it happened all yeah, through Hollywood. The casting couch has been going on for a long ass time, so it's sort of like now it's like oh shit, you know, like we're more well, and there's ways to play that up humorously. They just didn't do a good job same mm. with the the star the cross-dresser oh I mean, the really valentino one of yeah them. yeah i mean you've seen um the producers that mel brooks did he has the guys there and it's funny and mm-hmm. you laugh at it and you don't you have that like oh this is all right well again mel, mel brooks yeah, i was gonna say mel yeah, brooks is skilled yeah. and knows how to do that but otherwise you don't yeah. just here's a cross-dresser ha ha it's funny here's a midget ha 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 it's funny yeah you know what i mean yeah. You gotta I, have more I don't know it. though. I did laugh uh, at one thing with the cross dresser where he's walking out and putting all his clothes, taking all his clothes, and the girl's just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know, while he's doing. It. I don't know. It it kind yeah. of made me laugh. Like it that was done well. Mm. The, the, but then all the other stuff with uh, him putting on the clothes and becoming the you know person like that just would have been overly fay acting. You mm. know. Yeah. Now it did have that one funny line. I did laugh. When she asked what job he was in, he said oh, he was yeah. in women's clothes. <laughs> yeah, see, that, that was cute. Was, that was, I think because I wasn't line. expecting any humor, but yeah, I, sorry. <laughs> Go on with the but nothing, distracted Clearly, Michael Winter is not, I mean, he's not known for comedy, and this yeah. is not his field. So why they picked him, I guess because at the time he, he was, was something of a name. But here's another interesting quote that I dug up from him. He basically said, if you want art, buy a Picasso. So 
making an artistic film was just not in his frame of mind. It's just mm-hmm. show up, do the thing, it's a business, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gets, I mean, and there are people who think like that, and that's fine, but a lot of people don't approach it that way, and I could see there being creative problems going yeah. on. But if, if he's trying to play it as um, Saved Hollywood, so sort of tongue-in-cheek, it's maybe meant not to be art, so he might have went into it with that mindset. I'm trying to get psychologically into his frame mm-hmm. of mind with it. it I mean, it, I don't think it it, it it failed on that, obviously. but it, it oh, failed on a lot of things. But it, it's, it's kind of <laughs> weird how he brings all those silent stars into it and it's like what what well really what is that paramount this is they still had contractual players so paramount's like we've got all these people it's set in the 1920s let's use them whether they want to be there or not throw them in there and in in some cases this was the final appearance for a lot of these folks as a matter of fact i found out that variety did an article back in 1986 where they came out and said yeah at this date 27 of the actors that are in uh, Wonton Tan die, have died. That was their last one. And that was their last appearance. Like see, I, watched, I watched the movie uh, 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 a couple months ago, uh, Ghost Story. Um, it was like oh, yeah, of, it yeah, was a yeah, couple yeah. of the old actors. One of them was a silent star and stuff like that. It was like their, so it was like two or three of their final films. But mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, I was always wondering what what would be like the final one. I know there's a John Wayne film that's in that same vein, but. 20 some that's that's a whole different ballgame and you know <laughs> bad enough that michael winter wasn't really able to handle the comedic aspects of it because we've talked about how you have to have a special talent you have to know what you're doing for it to be funny but david david picker just was he was just absolutely convinced this was going to be a hit as a matter of fact he talked about several sequels including oh, no. sequel number one was supposed to be wonton Tan, the dog that saved Broadway, (laughs) and then after that was supposed to be Wonton Tan, the dog that saved World War II. What? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, Lord. In between, they actually got sued because the woman who was the widow of the trainer, and I forget the name of the guy, who actually trained the real Rin Tin Tin back in the 20s said, hey, we own the copyright to Rin Tin Tin, and this dog is too much like Rin Tin Tin, and we're suing you for copyrights. So they actually had to go to court for that, and eventually it was it was tossed out. But yeah. well, I guess they realized there was no money to be made. Because- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and the funny thing about that is like the Rin Tin Tin. I mean, it it was just a German Shepherd, and they even kind of make a, a reference that in the movie is like mm-hmm. finding the uh, a German Shepherd. All these people just bring all their German Shepherds to get the fire, which I'm like thinking, hmm, that's kind of wrong <laughs> that they're, you know, but we'll get into that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, So let me get into the cast. Uh, the primary... Oh, I don't know if we have enough time to go through the well, cast. Well, that's why I'm saying the primary players include <laughs> Madeline Kahn, who's, who's playing Esty, and we all, of course, know and love Madeline mm-hmm. Kahn. Grayson Potchuk was played by Bruce Dern. Now, the funny thing with Bruce Dern is he decided he was going to do this movie because, quote-unquote, he thought it was a funny script and he never gets to do comedy. Hmm. So, you know, sorry, Bruce, you picked the wrong one there, buddy. Then there's Fluffy Peters, who is uh, Estee's uh, roommate and friend. That's played by Terry Gar, who was wasted, in my opinion. They wasted. Could have done so she, much more. There was no, like... All her scenes are kind of boring, you know. Yeah. And that was one of her first films, too, probably. I'm trying to think of many others that she would have done before that. But Yeah, it probably yeah. would have been one of her first. But, yeah. like, I mean, she got to work with Madeline Kahn, and later both of them were in Young Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's like, it's almost like Mel Brooks saw this movie and said, let me just take the best <laughs> actors and put them in another better movie. You know? And J.J. Uh, Fromberg was played by Art Carney. Now, the funny thing is, is remember you saw Shecky Green, the, the comedian, the Borscht Belt comedian. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that was supposed to play J.J. Fromberg initially, but apparently he had a bad herniated disc and he was unable to do it. So they said, Art Carney, would you do it? And he's like, sure. So he decided to do it. And you only see Shecky Green for like a brief yeah. second there. Well, Art Carney was, up, I mean, he was kind of, it was the year after going in style. So it was like right, right in that time. So it was still up his alley mm-hmm. to be a, mm-hmm. somewhat of a lead, if you will. 
And then uh, the associate uh, director, assistant director was Billy Barty, whom we've seen oh, in a funny. million things. You know, I'll never forget him from like UHF and stuff. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> still, to me, that's a. That's and a let comedy. me do a super super quick thing of some of the cameos here. So we've got Sterling Holloway, Phil Leeds, Cliff Norton, Billy Benedict, William Demarest, Virginia Mayo, Dorothy Gulliver, Henny Youngman, Rory Calhoun, Henry Wilcox, Dennis Morgan, Ricardo Montalban. Jackie Coogan, Aldo Ray, Ethel Merman, Yvonne DiCarlo, Andy Devine, Joan Blondell, Broderick Crawford, Jack LaRue, Phil Silvers, Gloria DeHaven, Dorothy L'Amour, Johnny Weismuller, Rudy Valley, George Jessel, Rhonda Fleming, Dean Stockwell, Tab Hunter, Ron Liebman, the only two surviving Ritz brothers that were left alive, Victor Mature, Fernando Lamas, Zsa Zsa Gabor, Sid Charisse, Hunts Hall, Doodles Weaver, Maury Amsterdam, Peter Lawford, Milton Berle, John Carradine, Walter Pigeon, Tony Basil, Janet Blair, Ed Ashley, Dick Haynes, and Step and Fetch It. Eek. Wow. Apparently, Michael Winter asked specifically for uh, Hedy Lamar to be in there, too, but they couldn't find her, so nobody knew where she was. Maybe she read the script and was in hiding. <laughs> she went into hiding. Um, by the way, this was done after uh, Young Frankenstein, so it's the exact opposite. Maybe mm. Terry Garr had uh, become sort of a star from that, and they they wanted to throw her in here or whatever. But, you know, unlike a lot of the movies we had, this movie had something of a budget. It was a $4 million picture. It was still a B picture, and it's still a picture nobody really wanted to do, but $4 million bucks. I mean... Remember, we saw a lot of like explosions and car crashes and stuff. Well, they always had the sticks of dynamite. That was that was key <laughs> to every scene with, yeah. with with Juan with Wonton. You forgot the one actor though. Uh, Wonton. Oh yeah, well, there's Wonton too. I, I was gonna say I also of forgot course. Fitzfeld, and I wanted okay. to mention Fitzfeld because apparently this film, in addition to being in one of his last, was his 425th motion picture mm-hmm. so he's up there Four, with like he's up there with like james hong and stuff 425 like that. Wow. and going all the way back into their yeah. own 20s and so forth so yeah and it's funny uh marlon brando was actually also offered to be in this film and they said because uh, you remember he famously he did that whole thing where he didn't accept his oscar because of the the, the thing with native americans and so they offered to give him money for his favorite native american charity if he would just show up and he was like yeah no <laughs> Forget it. By the way, Augustus von Schumacher. See, that's what I'll say. That's what I'll say. Yep. We have, we have AKA, to talk about Wonton. AKA Wonton Ton. This is his only movie. Yep. yep and yep. Uh, so I'm sad about that because, uh, if anything, he was the best part of the whole movie. Mm. You know, he was. He was my favorite star of it, but, uh, you know, next to Madeline Kahn. Apparently, the the original idea was to make a biopic based on Rin Tin Tin, which came from a quote from Warner Brothers executive Jack Warner, who in 1970 uh, said at at a conference or something, he said his favorite actor that he ever had was Rin Tin Tin. He said, it was our biggest star for our studio, and he never caused me any trouble. No, that's funny. <laughs> so they decided to do a comedy where he caused all the trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, but they were they were going to drag in everybody. Apparently, uh, Don Amici was supposed to be in it. Lee J. Cobb was supposed to be in it. Mickey Rooney was supposed to be in it. Burt Lancaster was supposed to be in it. Uh, Benny Rubin and George Raft were going to be in it. They were going to grab everybody because there was a thing in the seventies where they did a lot of these crazy ensemble movies oh, where if you, if you had that. a name, they threw your ass in there. Well, they made a reference to Earthquake uh, right. in the yeah. movie, which right. I think is where this this movie is very much an earthquake because yeah. it's a disaster picture. Oh, yeah. Earthquake. And, the, air, and, the airports and all those and, and the, the airport yeah, movies. Airport Cannonball and, um, run for the comedy out for ensemble. Well, and just when you, when you start talking about, like I said, the, the history of the production, how it went from one production company to another, everybody's passing, it's being rewritten multiple times. The actual screenwriter was Arthur Schulman, and he actually accused producer Picker of having his script rewritten at the time of the shoot without his consent, and so he completely disavowed the film. So he, whether that happened he, or not, he I Alan don't know. Alan Smithy's the writing role, pretty much. But they <laughs> right. they wouldn't they wouldn't let him put Alan Smithy on there. So oh, good stuff. Wow. So. That's the background. What did you guys think of some of the acting? 
Miss Jen, you've got something no. you want to say. No. It was everybody was trying too hard. And it wasn't even done in a good 1920s overly dramatic way. Mm -hmm. It was too much. Okay. Like it, it yeah, trying too hard for the jokes, excuse me. Um, just now, just too much. I don't know how best to describe it. Even, even Madeline Kahn? Yeah. I, did, I felt she half-assed it. I was going to say, it, uh, much as I love Madeline Kahn, this does not feel like her, her best performance. No. Again, mm -hmm. I got to throw a lot of this on Michael Winter. I just don't yeah. think he knows yeah. how to direct comedy. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know? and sometimes if you have, I have noticed in watching documentaries on film that if you have a good comedian, sometimes you just have to let them do their thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Give them a little bit of rain, you know, let them loose a little bit. Yes, tell them but, not to stick. You don't have to stick to the script. Well, or if you have a script, sometimes they can take the script and you know change it, either act it a little differently or something. But you know, or I felt like she didn't bring energy to yeah. it or just infuse it with some life. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of the comedy was a lot was sort of based on, you know, everybody is incompetent except the dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's so much of that, and it's like you know, like there'd be random hammers falling from the roof and. You know the one gag where uh, with the where the dog doesn't want to do the scene because the dynamite because the fuse is too short. It's like nobody would have used real dynamite, you know. Mm -hmm. Or the car crash is like, well, it's only crashing because the guy's not braking. Why don't you just stop the car? <laughs> and um, I'm thinking with Madeline Con her act, and, and this goes for any of in, in, in comedy. It's like maybe she was. Maybe they did multiple, I'm sure they did multiple takes, and she did a, a more serious version and then a more comedic one, and, and then the tone with the directing and the editing just completely, they cut the wrong ones together. I mean, she didn't seem to really get this role. It, it, she, yeah. I mean, she's more of a, a, the other roles that she's more famous for is like the secondary. It's, it's, but, I mean, she has a lead presence, though. She knows better stuff. Yeah. She's been in better stuff. This and remember, she was, like, she was like the fifth choice here. So yeah. I can't imagine her heart yeah. was in this role. And that script had to be totally different from oh, those other God. ones that you're mentioning. I mean, the share and did stuff you, like that. Did you mention what the, who the other people were that mm. like they wanted originally? Oh yeah, who yeah, was yeah. Well, it was it was Cher. Um, oh yeah, Bette Cher, Midler, yeah, yeah, Cher. Okay. Bette, Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin Lily was Tom. the original. Now see, oh. Lily Tomlin has such a sarcastic sense of com comedic ways of coming across. It works for comedy in the most part, but mm. the Madeline Kahn to her is totally different styles. Mm. <laughs> so it's, oh yeah, it, oh, it yeah. just obviously the script would have to be totally different for the for that to even have a chance at success so yeah and so I, I i got the feeling that she just wasn't really that into it it seemed like for this production nobody was really particularly interested in making this movie except <laughs> yeah. for producer david picker <laughs> that's well, it it almost seems like that actually fits with the movie itself because like you know there's all there's the the producer himself trying so hard to get these movies made right, or whatever. Right, right, right. Yeah. So do you wanna do you wanna encapsulate real quickly what happens in this movie? Okay, uh, <clears throat> yes. Um, so <laughs> from the doll perspective or from the film perspective? <laughs> yeah. So basically, it starts off with a dog. Uh, uh, one, well, we don't have a name. He's a uh, orphan dog, you know, and uh, he's uh, running away from these uh, dog catchers, and he is, has the dogs escape, you know, or whatever, and then he ends up. Uh, Meeting Madeline Kahn, who's going on her way to meet a uh, well, she's going on her way to an audition, I guess. Originally, that was the plan. And they and, fight over chicken, and they fight over chicken. <laughs> and then the, this guy, like, I guess, introduced her as a director, so she's gonna go off to you know meet with him. And he's actually just a stagehand, um, you know, that says he's a director or whatever. So he just wants to get in bed with her and stuff. And, Not even in bed, a table, yeah, a table. He wants to get in table with her. And uh, so she's okay with it at first just because he's going to promise her to be a star or whatever, like we said earlier. Then she ends up, uh, the dog ends up hearing, like, you know, her being a dad. With his superhero hearing. Yeah, and ends up saving her. 
So it should really be the oh, Wonton Ton, the dog who saved Madeline Kahn. Or saved but, Esty. <laughs> Esty. But um, anyway, she ends up, uh, the dog ends up being seen by the producer. And the producer gets a great idea. Let's make a dog movie. And, and the owner of the studio. And the, yeah, and the owner of the studio. That's who I was really talking about. The owner of the studio was, you know, was really interested in that. And the, the, the screenwriter is just this guy who's just been trying to pitch every freaking idea yeah, he was now, a bus driver that yeah. was to me driver, yeah. that was the best part because we all know people like that even in the indie world they come up with lame brain crazy ideas and you know but they were the problem was the was the humor when they were trying to say oh these are all the modern movies that he's coming up with now back in the 20s haha's and funny mm-hmm. and if they had only produced that they'd have been you know no no it's just not would have happened mm-hmm. but i liked you know the fact that he was like yeah the dog is jumping from iceberg to iceberg with a thing of dynamite in his mouth why makes no sense it doesn't matter it's the well, silent film at first it was all about the the dynamite apparently right. that was the thing that they kept uh, whatever happening and then so he pitches the idea the dog comes but the dog won't do anything without Madeline Kahn right so Madeline Kahn has to keep coming on set but uh, apparently she keeps messing things up a little bit or whatever and the producer or the the owner of the uh, company doesn't like her and fires her Uh, but now the dog doesn't want to do anything because he doesn't have so they have to sneak her in at times or whatever and then uh it ends up it's just way too much story to really go to. But just... what's interesting is if you notice, everybody is grifting everybody else. Everybody is telling them that they can do something when really they can't, or they're they're saying that they have an idea when really they don't. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, are you trying to make a comment here about Hollywood? If you are, you didn't really make it very clear or funny. You could have gone with that, but that's probably the tone and and the topic of a different film you know what i mean there are plenty of films that have done that mm-hmm. um you know uh, gosh I, hollywood boulevard i'm sure you could amongst others um sort of talking about uh, the how you get through hollywood and everything there's a little bit of that in here but not really enough well those, those a lot of those were more famous like in the early 50s so this was like 25 years after that but it, it takes that element it takes the dog element then it brings all the silent film stuff into it because they do go back in time to give the story of the dog and stuff like that of, of why the dog got its in, in, at Grauman's theater so it, it's just there's a lot of different pieces there and it's like like I said at the beginning it's one that I wanted to like I, I want to like this film but then there's just so much it's wrong. just so bad and then uh, ham-handed mm-hmm. you know it's you could just I could just hear them saying just throw in a few explosions Throw in a few car crashes. Throw in a few cameos. Right. You know. Just keep you. Keep <laughs> throwing shit against the wall and maybe something will stick. Yeah. I did like the one gag, the one Buster Keaton gag with the wall coming down and just missing her. Uh, missing I mean, to me, that's that a good. scary gag. It is like, a scary yeah, gag. I could, I could literally. Especially back in the day. Sure. Right. Sure. Um, sure. If that, if that, like, killed somebody, you know. Right, yeah. right, right. But it's fine. I mean, it, but it's inconsistent. It's like, okay, they could do that, but they, they don't know enough to not put real dynamite on the on the screen with everyone. Well, that was a okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you on that because in, in my mind, that 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 gag with that coming down was at the end when she actually became the big star. Right. And it was with a different producer at that time. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. true. And it seemed like that was more the competent crew because, like, if you notice that part, is like. She's going around, everything's happening around her, all that stuff's like, all that bad stuff's happening, and she just like, doesn't realize what's going on, which is kind of funny. Oblivious. Um, yeah, she's oblivious to everything behind her, um, and I, I laughed my butt off because it, it, it seemed like it was the more competent crew. Now she's, now she's famous, now she's, now she's got what she needed to get. You know, or whatever. And I guess Art Carney was supposed to be playing Fromberg like he's some kind of penny-pinching cheapskate. You know, there's a couple scenes where he's, like, turning off lights when there's nobody around. You saw his office. His office was filthy. Uh, oh, my God. The, his, his original office. Yeah, it, it looked like... Did he like, say something at the walls? Yeah, that? it looked like a million uh, cigars had been smoked there. And yeah. when and they left the, the outline of, of framed pictures against the wall. Just, uh, you could just smell the nicotine. Just yeah. gross. What, 
Is that accurate? <laughs> That's what probably. Like, is that what like some think, think of the twenties or thirties of that? Yeah, they're all going to be in there smoking. Yeah. If you're a cheap penny pinching production company, I imagine it is. Um, I don't know. But if that's, I'm hoping that's the the impression they wanted to give because that's the one they gave. That part was successful. Then <laughs> there you go. <laughs> they, well, they, they, like I said, they had a four million dollar budget, so it wasn't you know for lack of trying, they got a few things yeah, right, yeah. but a lot of it just was not right. So what about some of the other actors? Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern really apparently wanted to do this, and this is not a role Bruce Dern is known for at all. Not his type of role. He's not a comedian, really, but he wanted to do this. So, what did you guys think of him in this? Um, I like Bruce Stern. I didn't even. I, I I didn't even recognize it was him. I'm so used to him old, you know, and shit. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not used to him being this young and being this like energetic and this, you know, energetic. Yes, yeah. he was very energetic. He was very energetic. Like, and I liked it. I liked him. I, I always, and I liked him as kind of a leading man, you know, which you don't really see with him. He's usually was. If I'm correct, I could be wrong, but wasn't he in, like, The Burbs, you know, and stuff like that? Or I don't that remember. Some, I don't remember. Else? Uh, I think he was. Yes. Because he, he plays he, the military guy, right? He right. seemed That's like he thought. wanted to be mm-hmm. there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't think his was too bad. No, he did a my great only, job. My only complaint is it didn't feel like... And this is story-wise, there was much romance. There wasn't any attraction between oh, no. Madeline Kahn and him. No, no chemistry. And then at the end, they're going to get married and have this happy ending. You're like, well, where's all the... But yeah, acting-wise, it didn't even seem too bad. There was zero chemistry between Bruce Stern mm-hmm. and Madeline Kahn. That's the word I was looking you for, know. chemistry. <laughs> what about What about the dog? What did you guys think about the dog? Was he cute and fuzzy? He did what he could with the script. <laughs> nice, nice. You probably chewed that up a little. Yeah, I like, gotta oh, s- yeah. sue my agent. Um, he was. I mean, he, he I was, mean, compared to say Benji or some of the other great dogs we've seen well, in some of the other movies. I was, I was thinking something with Benji too. It's like, didn't Benji Lassie. either end up the the dog that played Benji either end up on like a Skid Row type of scenario afterwards? And they did that in this because when, when the dog when when Wonton ended up in Skid Row, I was like, didn't Benji after something like that? Yeah, ended up on Skid Row or something I think like that. That's some of the and, dark and stuff. And obviously, that's that's part about. we're gonna hit on. It's that that's really a problem. Is at the end, but but as as a as the dog, it did running through the walls and it did the stuff and it did some Except hand. Except he couldn't. It did some. I know, right? Did some paws over the eyes, but yeah, then running and jumping into the wall. It, it looked like he was like concussed or something. Yeah, and he got whacked at one point was, too. He was, I was he, like, he, he oh, he just hit not, that dog. He staggered. Uh, and if, 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 if he was acting staggered and not really staggered, then that dog really was a great acting I dog. Because it didn't look it, like yeah, acting. Yeah, he? It, that, it, especially that last one. Yeah, all of us were like, because he he really looked like he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and stuff like that. And, and and if that's the case, I mean. That's that's really a problem, but you know. But you know, it's weird. It's like the dogs tries to commit suicide at one yeah. point. Well, I mean, they're they're yeah. feeding it alcohol, and well, he see, sticks his head in the oven. Made me laugh. That oh, not the oven. the, the alcohol. Like, the alcohol he, was funny. That part when he was, was John Carradine bro. giving him the booze yeah. was funny. <laughs> that was funny, and that that cracked me up for a second. And then he put his head in the then oven. Then it was like, okay, he's gonna go commit suicide now. All right. Can, what, and then he tries to hang himself. He went up through mm-hmm. hangman's noose. I'm like, no, no, you don't, no. Yeah, there, there are a few gags in here and, that were supposed to yeah. be funny that were not. And funny. then he laid in the friggin' traffic. Yeah, laid in traffic. Got run over. Literally, that just was. There was space between the tires. The only thing that saved him. How about the Norma Jean moment? Oh. Uh, <laughs> cringy. Well, like, like I said, said well, always. Yeah, Norma Jean. Uh, I'm sure there was a that was just all Maryland stuff. There, yeah, that was, was supposed to be uh, making fun of like how she was, you know, they were trying to show like Marilyn naked Maryland. child. Oh, yeah, but like, yeah. a three-year-old, four-year-old child. Not, not even. I mean, this is what the second movie we've done this year alone this season that says naked children supposed to be used for humor. We did this in Drunken Wu Tang, yep. and it didn't work there either. It was gross, and, and like, I don't know. See, you, you remember how like when we talked on um, one of the other ones, how there's there's lines you don't cross. And, and in my mind, those it's lines like, change there, over there, time. There, there's a couple lines, and yeah, and and, it, and you have to watch stuff in the context of the time period that it was. So the words that they use and the things they use, mm-hmm. but still, when I watch something now in present day time, 
it's like you think it's, and see some of the stuff, and you can dismiss some of it, but some of it's just like it's lines you can't cross. And sure. So, and, and that's what happened here with a few things. I was actually shocked with that scene because usually, even back then, if you're going to show a naked child, they have undies on. Yeah. And I'll be honest, my mother used to throw, yeah, my mother used to throw me in the backyard with, make sure you have bikini bottoms on if you're going to eat a lollipop and hose you down afterwards. It was front, top, front, bottom, front, back. It was full. It was like, really? Yeah. (laughs) And that wasn't the only one. They had another child all tied up with a gag that was supposed to be a a, a kidnapped kid, baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I mean, at least that one had a diaper on, but uh, but not nothing else. And I'm like, "Good Lord, dude, what are you trying to say here?" <laughs> you're, you're quiet over there. I know. It's, it's just kind of, I don't know the whole thing. It's cringeworthy. I know. I'm still. I, I still. I, I'm gonna probably have trouble unseeing the part with the dog trying to put his head in the mix. I know. That, that's that's something to me. That's it's it's just. No, I looked away. Like yeah. I literally, but he, he he had put his head, and then he tried to put this paw up in there, and then he then he, it shows him trying to pull it down. He slips, or the table comes out, or something comes out. And I was just like, yeah. I mean, I knew like the joke was that he was kept trying, and he wasn't it wasn't gonna work or whatever. But like, it didn't make me laugh, and it it just made me feel like you know not good at all. I, I think that just showing and, him on Skid Row would have been efficient and enough that to say that. Is right. not the only yeah. stuff. I mean, we had. Dancing, step and fetch it up there, reminding everybody of our racist vaudeville past. A lot of people were not going to be happy with that. We had, you know, the the Rudolph Valentino wannabe when they refer to as a fag several times, which mm-hmm. was supposed to be funny. And so it's like, that no, was not dude. funny at all. Yeah. yeah, and um, I'm trying to grasp some something too with, with the silent era, and I'm not the most proficient in the silent film era and stuff like that. But from what I've seen of it. <clears throat> and what they did here in this movie, I, I I would think that going into this, that it would have been an homage or like to honor all these people. But in some ways, it seemed insulting. No, seemed, they didn't it, know how to do it. It seemed uh-huh. very, the way that they made this around each one of their cameos, it was insulting to that time right. period. What they should have that, done yeah. is let Michael Winner direct parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. But those things that are supposed to be homages to the 20s, like the Keystones Cops things or some of mm-hmm. the other things, they should have, if they still had people involved with those things back then, should have let them direct it because yeah. they knew how to do it, yeah. clearly. That was their bread and butter. Or it's, enough of the movie is on a studio lot, on a film set. Why not have these old actors as actors, you know, in their heyday, showing off what they could do, you know, when they were popular, when they were mm-hmm. right up front and center instead yeah. of this terrible, terrible butler. Or, Whoa. you know, the um, they could have also mm-hmm. cut way oh, back God. on the cameos mm-hmm. and just had yeah, a few right? of them. <laughs> could have just had a few of them, but have them more yeah. extended, have them more, give them a little more time. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw on the poster, too, that um, it literally had like uh, 50 or 100 different pictures of all the different people in frames around the, the, the mm-hmm. dog. And I'm like, was that sort of a, a joke just to get to honor, not honor, but to have them to, as a count? saying they're going to be in this. So we have this, this, this. It's like a checklist. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Once again, it goes back to like Earthquake and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and and it's a mad, 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 mad world yeah. and these comedies and these disaster movies so it's kind of like both anyway uh, that it's kind of like a, it's an homage to that time yeah. period anyway and it was trying to get you to go because you're like, oh my God, Zsa Zsa Gabor's in it. Then you see her in the uh, the the screening for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't even have recognized yeah, exactly. her. Until, you know, Paul mm-hmm. had to actually Shasha. You know, and I like I I wouldn't have caught her because yeah. it's like blinking, you miss it. But the the worst thing about it is just the silence. Okay. Yeah. Other than a few laughs from Moody, you know, it was mm-hmm. pin. You could hear pin drop. Yeah. All these things that are supposed to be funny, and it's just like clang. Most and of I, the time, it wasn't. Funny. There and, was a few. And I think that. Going back to your point about all the different cameos and stuff like that, it, in the other movies you were referencing, there was a few seconds to, or at least a, a brief amount of time to allow that person or characters to shine in their moment of what they were famous for, whether mm-hmm. it was a, a Keystone Cop scenario or whether it was um, just a, 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 <clears throat> whatever. Um, but this one, they didn't really allow that. And you've got to have some believability built in. Even though this is a farce and a cartoon and a fantasy it, has, it should be grounded in some kind of reality. 
that very first, just about the first scene where uh, poor Madeline Kahn has to fight the dog over the chicken that's been dragged through the street, bounces in the you, gutter, has dog slobber all really, over it. You really have a problem with the chicken scene. Well, I just know. because that, that lacks reality. No but, woman is going to sit there and go, oh, yum, 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 I've seen that in, in, in some silent film, I don't know if it was a Chaplin film or a Buster Keaton film, where they, where they were that hungry, they would go to that extent for to do something like that. So I think they were trying to actually replicate that for for a laugh in in the, in the new in this film but it it, it didn't it did, work it, yeah it just it doesn't it didn't it didn't well play. there's some things that are really funny in silent films yeah. that would not be really funny in um i just watched for my 52 week uh movie challenge i had to watch uh the kid with charlie chaplin mm -hmm. and um i had to choose a silent film i chose the shortest silent film i could find and you know, and jeez, uh, Moody. I know. I, There's uh, a lot of great silent films. I know, and I'll eventually there. watch them. But I'm, <sighs> I, like, I chose, and it was also not the greatest movie. But you know, uh, I've seen better Charlie Chaplin movies. But it was still fun to watch. And People would be amazed because if you didn't have sound and you had to rely on on music cues and things like that. They had to go to even more extremes when it came to the visuals. So a lot of the sets on some of those old movies are incredible, especially if you go to things like the first Hunchback of Notre Dame, um, some of the other movies. Nosferatu. Yeah, some of these movies are spectacular. And that's kind of the thing. They didn't really capture any of that in this. I mean, it's a $4 million budget, so you can only do so much, but still. Yeah, but and, and, and with... The scene you were talking about with with the with the with the turkey, they even if they were trying to create the, a bonding moment between the dog and her, that there was going to be a bond plus give us an homage to the, the silent films with the music and stuff like that to make it feel like the twenties, and it just seemed like it, it fell flat. Then they had the set in the background. It was this that looked okay, I guess, but it was like. <laughs> my, to your point is like my favorite part of that scene is when I didn't expect when Moody's like, if you ever wanted to see Madeline Kahn go, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> it sounds like funny to me. Some of the best laughs I think watching this movie was comments that we were, we made to each other. Yeah. Sort of. yeah. And, and that's Especially this one. I think she's like, it just wasn't, and the music, oh, that music just hurt my ears. Yeah, the music was poor, especially was... the, the quote-unquote comedy music, you know, cueing mm -hmm. incredibly obviously, this is a funny moment, laugh, it's your cue to laugh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. Well, you always say that, you always say that you hate that. I do. You hate when uh, music I hate being manipulated. Yeah, yeah, manipulates you, mm -hmm. is the word. So, I... I don't know. It, I'm I'm so used to it because like every Hollywood movie does it really. So like, I, it doesn't even. It's almost like it's in the background in my it's head. Kind of the you know? point to the music in some of the movies. Was that? It's the point to yeah. the music in some and of the movies. And it works for most. Helping to push you over that edge. Like yes, it's a sad scene, but that music makes it extra sad. Right, but if it's like that. done was, well, yeah. it's more subtle yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. not so in your face yeah. and doesn't uh -huh. grab you by the nose and make you feel something. But in this movie, in this movie, if they're trying to poke fun at, at, at Hollywood and it, it would have been good for them to redirect away from doing that. So mm. to do it and then not have a payoff. And then have a payoff right before it or after it or something well, like that. I'll keep, I don't know. It's just the, the other thing is Hollywood is not a very good vehicle for making fun of Hollywood. Usually they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. They'll, they'll only go so far. Usually somebody that's more of a maverick director, like Mel Brooks, would be perfect for making fun of Hollywood. But Mel Brooks can do it and get away with it because who's going to tell Mel Brooks you can't make not a movie? Not now. Not yeah. now. His humor would not fly well, for the yeah, yeah, sadly. That's, that's a sad comment on our society, I guess. You know, yeah. Um, it, it's funny to look back at this movie because, like, once again, and I've said this about many of the movies that you choose, uh, from the, like, the... Among other things, I'm the sure. the 70s or so, or, like, you know, time periods, is that you just can't make this movie today. Yeah. Like, a lot of the humor, you couldn't have a dog pretend to fake suicide. People would just not, the PETA would go fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, and yeah. It just isn't, and, it, and like, after watching that, I wouldn't want to see it. 
you know, because I just realized it wasn't funny, you know, like when they tried to do it, it wasn't funny. Now, I don't think that's just because the director was a bad director on doing that. I think it just, it just wasn't a funny scene. Like nobody wants to see that. Right, you know? right. Well, to me, it was the part that I think that you uh, reacted to strongest of all is when, when the dog gets smacked by the, no, by the stick. He like really that. hit that dog. Yeah. That was, I uh, was like, what? You can't, you definitely can't show that on film. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, or should you? We were talking about this earlier because, like, we watched Man's Best Friend mm -hmm. or, uh, this year and uh, for oh, 90s horror films. And it was, it was terrible. But there was a scene, scene where Thankfully. it was the exact same scene where this, you know, where in this case it was Ali Sheedy leaves her dog with somebody else, uh, played by, um, a big, a big actor or whatever. I forgot who it was. But it Tommy Wiseau. Was it yeah. Big actor. But he comes in there and he, the guy takes the uh, dog and the, and Ali Sheedy leaves and he starts like burning the dog and stuff like that. And like, that's how I felt like this movie, that, that, that was going to go. Oh yeah. You know? That was the dude from Blade Runner. Was it yeah. Lance Hendrickson? Uh, William Sandler. William Sandler. 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 Yeah. Sandler. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, that was rough. Yeah. Get it rough. Rough, rough, rough. Uh, <laughs> he told me he was gonna do that at some Sorry. point. Sorry, <laughs> set it up. Yeah, yeah. But, I'm so surprised. But, okay, <laughs> speaking of the dog, there was a weird relationship thing oh, going on with the dog that. and Madeline Kahn's character. I but was thinking he was. I was a little confused yeah. about. Did he love her or something, or was yeah? Uh, it was because remember he the the Fromberg was originally saying what a great love story. With the dog, and we're like, uh, wait, what? what? <laughs> and then he, like, I love how the guy was like pretending to be the dog at first, uh, Bruce Dern is, and then he's like, I want to see the dog do this, not you. Well, it's funny because <laughs> one of my favorite parts is originally Fromberg's like, Yeah, I want to get all the best actors in Hollywood to come in and read the read for the dog. And we're like, Okay, wait, what? <laughs> and even in the silent films, they never did that, no, you know, no. like that's ridiculous. And then he's like, wait, I've got a better idea. Let's let's cast that dog. And I'm like, that was, the, wait, what? Like, where, where is this, like, coming from? Oh, Weird. Shows his incompetence, I guess. Well, I think, again, that's, there's just yeah. so much of that. It's just, you know, I guess lower rung productions being okay. totally incompetent. So, speaking of that, um, there was, there was something that really bothered me, okay? And it was something that, like, so the, um, what is it? They 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 making this one movie with the the big star and everybody, and it's the Custer movie. And oh, everything. Valentino. Right. Mont Rudy Montague. Yeah, and they were making that movie, <clears throat> and even though they'd used the dog and they've used you know that guy was a big star or whatever before, and things like that, um, they bomb one time, and all of a sudden he's like, "You're fired! You're fired! You're!" Fired. And I'm like, "It was one bomb. They've like made millions of hits for you." And now all of a sudden they do like one, one bomb and you're like you're gone. Well, it's just like you know they recapture Wonton Tan and not even five seconds later they're marching him off to the gas chamber. I'm like, oh yeah, that was the come other part on. Of it. Like, that that really struck a wrong chord, taking him on on like a, a death row. I mean, there thing. are kill shelters out there, yeah. but you usually get thirty days, not five seconds. Right. I guess because they had already ca captured him before. Clock resets. Well, but this is the movie world. <laughs> also, that one didn't well, get yeah. me as much. I what know. got me was how long. Well, it took. also he Plus, escaped. Yeah, he he. Out. Well, not only escaped, he did a prison break. He got all yeah, the dogs he, out. Yeah, he was he was a little bit of a troublemaker, and I think those are the same dog catchers from the yeah. beginning that were just like probably at this time they didn't want this dog to escape, and they were like, you know, you're going. You know, you're going to the gas chamber, buddy, which Aww. sucked. Like, that was terrible. I mean, I didn't like it, but I'm just saying, like, I knew because it was the beginning of the movie, like, it was going to be okay. The first time you see his head in the oven, that's the end of the movie. And I'm like, oh, God, is this how this is going to end? Well, yeah, there's that, and it shows when when he's at, he's laying in the water when Madeline Kahn sees him from sees the dog. Right, he looks like a he dead body. Like he's, like, he's floating in the water. I'm like, oh. I didn't even, I thought it was a log. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was like, barely was, see it. But like, there, there was really, I was really like, are they really going to do something to off 
the, uh, yeah, because remember, they were going to kill the dog originally. Yeah. Remember, this is the, the director of Death Wish. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So you don't know where this movie's going to go. I expected Charles Brenson to walk in and start lopping heads off any second. Oh, my God. <laughs> that probably would have been a better movie. Oh, my God. Just oh. a lot of missteps here. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, so unless anyone has any other final comments, I'd say it's probably time for us to do our rating. Oh, boy. And we're going to let everybody do the rating. And (laughs) as I recall, uh, you've all had a chance to do ratings before, but just in case you guys don't know, we rate our films on a scale of 1 to 10 for our stinkometer, by which the lower the score is, the lower the number is the least amount of stink. And if it's more like a middling score, like 5, it's kind of, eh, it's got some stink to it was kind of okay and then if it's a high number like a 10 is a big fat barrel of sting not that it's not a fun movie and that you didn't enjoy it you can still enjoy a 10 but a 10 means it had a lot of problems so based that on mind we then take uh, our scores we add them up and then we figure out what was the stinkiest movie of the season and there have been some serious stink bombs this mm. season so yeah, but this one's sort of different though because it's like it's not it's it's it's, it's made got by some. Hollywood. It's made. It's actually made, yeah, made by Hollywood. It has a Hollywood budget. It has Hollywood stars, a few of them at their in in their moment. Right. Um. So. But it is. It's a lesser yeah. Hollywood B movie that nobody wanted to make except yeah. one guy. It's a lot like the Mae West movie. No, nobody wanted to make it except Mae West, and she didn't get to make it until she was nine thousand. So. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. Wow. So. Anyway, Mr. Moody, I'm going to let you oh, do no, the no, movie. I'm going to go last. You're going to no, go, go last? last? I want to go last. Oh, I see, because you're not sure what you're going to No, no, do. I know what I want to give. Okay. I just want to hear everybody else's first. Jen? I always go first. I'm not going first. All yeah. right. Joe, you Joe? go first. I'm sort of the extra into this. Yeah, I was about to say. Um, I've been here more and, than you have. I'm perfectly willing to go first if <laughs> go you ahead, guys you. would like me to. Okay. <laughs> you, you would, you, you've experienced this film at least three times now, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although it's, there, was a, there was a huge time gap. Between from the first one to the uh, the previous two, but yeah. Yeah, you didn't share that story. Uh, yeah, I was ten years old when I saw this first, and it was awful then. That, <laughs> that explains some. Yeah, but <laughs> unlike then, I enjoy more bad movies now. Okay. Plus the effect that it have on others. It's still a bad movie. It's still everything that I remembered about it is just as bad as, as it was the initial time. It does endear me a little bit just because I do like, I mean, I like Madeline Kahn. I can't help it. Even if she kind of phoned in her performance, I do like her. There was some money behind it. It had a few moments. They were very scattershot. But there were a few genuinely funny moments and genuinely interesting moments that I, I kind of like. But overall, you can see why this movie was a bomb. It just wasn't a very good film. So I'm going to go with an eight and a half on this. That's my score. Joe, you want to go next? Okay, I'll go. (laughs) We'll go in order here. I know how much you love indecision. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was was falling on an eight. Okay. Yeah, because for all the reasons we've said, you know, it had money, it had production, it had stars, it just was a crappy movie. It had had Duco. Don't bring Duco into this. (laughs) Jeez. He's cuter. Um, And and leave my rider out of it, too. Yeah, so yeah, it, it was bad. It was it was terrible. I would not enjoy seeing it again. But I'm it did surprised. Have stuff behind it. So. I the from the groans and moans coming from you, I expected a higher number than an eight. Actually, Does, I'm giving it a lot for production and stars. Gotcha. So. I, I was like, because for me, um, there's the thing about it, the, the, the film, and then there's things about in life and in stuff that you don't you you just that you just can't get past in movies. And the stuff with the dog trying to commit suicide, and th- that to me is a no-go. That, that's, that just instantaneously throws the naked children. Well, there you go. That <laughs> goes, without, goes without saying, no, I suppose. That's not a dog committing suicide. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> right. So it's like I'm almost ready to go all the way with it. But, Ooh. But I, I'm, I'm going to stop at a nine and a half. Wow. 
And I'm only saying that because of the last 15 minutes. That's of funny because I think that's probably the highest number I think I've heard you give. Have you ever given a 10 before? Yes. Once. Yeah. Geek Maggot Bingo. Oh, Geek Maggot Bingo. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, surprised. It, 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 yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. I, I'll be surprised if something else ever touches that. Don't, right. don't, say that. <laughs> don't say that. Don't say that. You are on the clock now. <laughs> Hold no. my beer. <laughs> I'd set myself up for a moment. Geek Bag of Bingo was pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty yeah. bad. It's worse than this. But but this one is like up until that last fifteen minutes, I was I'd I'd hover in the seven area. Mm. But that la that last fifteen minutes is ten plus <laughs> to me. And that's the only reason why I, 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 I just can't dismiss the other seventy five minutes of the movie. But it I, I have to go nine and a half. Okay. Overall. Okay. Mr. Moody, it rests on your shoulders, my friend. All right. So, here's why I wanted to, I wanted to hear your guys' thoughts, all your guys' thoughts, so that I could counter He'll be like two. everything. Uh, oh, so, he's going to be that, that fish that swims against that. the tide. Well, well, I mean, because I always felt like I was when I was watching it. I felt like I was laughing a lot more. I was enjoying it a lot more than you guys. There were some jokes that I thought landed really well. There were some that did not land at all there were some that were they jokes i wasn't even sure you know kind of thing so in the beginning i was actually liking it so much i was giving it a four in my head like this was like oh my god this is good then the scenes that the 15 minutes or whatever and other things that just you know the naked children thing um i've, I've unfortunately i've seen it in hollywood they do that shit doesn't like i i just don't look you know like i'm just like oh like i don't want to see that but it it happens. Like, that didn't bother me as much as, I've never seen a dog try to commit suicide. <laughs> I could not get past that. A dog like getting hit on me for real. Or getting jumping right into the wall. That pissed me off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it brought it up to a six to me. And I had to stay there because I still, like, I don't know. I don't think I'd watch this movie over and over again. This isn't something I'd run to go see. But if somebody were like, you know, Paul showed me this, or told me about this movie, Wonton Ton. Do you want to go? Do you want to see it? I actually wouldn't mind watching it again. Like it when, like those. At least I'm aware that those other scenes are happening, so mm -hmm. it doesn't bother me. Well, you know, you will be happy to know, and perhaps you guys too, that this movie is now out in Blu-ray <laughs> with all kinds of extras that I'm sure you're dying to know more and more. I'm sure, about. I want to see some of that clearer. I no. <laughs> I might yeah. be more interested in hearing some commentary. See, this so. is the kind of movie that I would love to hear commentary and background yeah. stuff. To me, the background and how and why this movie got made is far why? more, why did this movie far get made? more interesting <laughs> yeah. than the movie itself. There is some reason why David Picking decided this had to be his baby. Why on earth this movie? Well, maybe he just he really liked Rin Tin Tin and just wanted to tell that story, but in a comedic way. I mean, I don't know. It's yeah. it was, it's it wasn't a terrible movie. It just wasn't, it wasn't great and it wasn't good. You know what I mean? But it wasn't terrible. Like it was, it was, it was like Pretty it was bad. a step yeah. above like meh to me. Now, you now know? when you when you're watching this one, do you watch it knowing that it has some production four million dollar budget? I think he said, and it is from somewhat in the Hollywood machine, if you will. Is it watched in a lot different context than saying watching a, an independent film that, that that was made just completely outside of the system? I'm I'm just wondering how well, you feel about that. Is it, with, it, without for being part of the system, you wouldn't have had all of those cameos. I mean, mm -hmm. we have seen movies where a lot of B movie cameos are made, and that's that's kind of fun, but they don't carry the same kind of clout with the regular public as they would with, say, Moody and I, because we know these people. Yeah, like Dr. Horror's uh, exactly. you know, House, House of Idiots. House of Erotic Idiots. Um, that movie is just so goofy and fun and silly. And not, that was know, a lot of fun. Yeah. And But that's a good comedy. That's a good version of what a comedy is. Like, this movie, but that's directed by a guy who does comedy, you mm -hmm. know? That's the thing. Michael Winner was not a comedy director, as you said. So, and like, I that's can see the that. biggest sin yeah. of this particular yeah. film. It's just in my it's such a failed opportunity, right? And, and just, I, I was thinking of it. If I would have known, if I would have watched this without seeing the the Hollywood stuff, knowing that it was Hollywood, it's like if it was made for five hundred thousand dollars and it was made outside of the system and stuff like that. But knowing that it's part of Hollywood and the Hollywood system, if you will, right? It's like, and to me, it's. And honestly, part of the charm... Uh, I, yeah, I have a little higher expectations mm -hmm. on just 
what to expect and what not to expect. And, and you always want to be surprised in a movie, but I don't want to be surprised with some of the stuff that I saw on this. Part of the charm of a movie of this kind made in the 70s with the ensemble thing was the whole, oh, who can I spot next that's famous and blah, or has been. But that, that era was done by 1976. Star Wars, Jaws, all that stuff wiped all that crap out. Audiences were not having that. They just, you know, same time, that was around the same time that the musicals yeah. were dying too. That was just done. They were, well, blockbusters took over. And blockbusters took over, and the the spot, the cameos felt like where's Waldo? You mm. know, like it just became a thing of like, there's there's a million people in the in the thing. Oh, there's Jaja Gabor. There's, uh, there's you know, um, what's his name? Uh, Milton Berle. You know, and I'm just like I don't know what these guys look like. Right, because as a kid, I so what's Milton Berle? So what if it's the last two remaining Ritz brothers? They're nobody to me. Do you know? I think what would be really good, and I don't know if I doubt they did this on the Blu-ray, would be to have a film historian do a commentary on this, and at each segment where there's all these cameos, have like a little branch off, like little minute, two minute mm-hmm. segment about that person's career or that something about that oh, person. Yeah, we listen to one. And then it pull it back in. It'd be, I mean, it'd be branched off so it wouldn't be just a constant flow. But yeah. then, what was that, that show that had the little history things pop up? Yeah, the pop-up bubbles. videos. I remember yeah, yeah. MTV yeah, yeah. and no. VH1 did that. Yeah. yeah, well, so what's his, uh, uh, Paul was watching a, uh, listening to a uh, commentary of a movie we, the, I think it was The Warlord. Um, mm-hmm. And the guy, the historian, uh, had like ADHD or something. He drove us nuts listening to it because he would be like, he would be talking about this one person, and we were like, oh, we're really interested. And then you go yeah. talk about somebody that's else. Why, that's why it would have and to be removed. very scattershot. That's why it would have to be like really removed. Like it'd have to be a you, you like, play a minute, then it venture off here, and you could pull back out and stuff like that. You guys and, like select yeah. it. because I would really be interested to know. I mean, unfortunately, this is probably the only movie that has this many people of that era in it, mm-hmm. but it would be. A good lesson mm. for history. for history of, of, of that and introduce people. And to that's the that. thing. Even if it had been done by a competent director, in my opinion, mm. this probably still would have bombed because the audience would not have given a shit about these has been Hollywood people. Yeah. Like I said, the blockbusters were here, and nobody in the audience would have cared. I like. I, I hate to say it. It'd be like people today, the you know Gen whatever that we're in right now, Gen Y, Z, you know. Whatever it is right now, they would not care about people from the 1970s. Mm-mm. That if they popped up with like you know you have these many people from like the 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 nowadays especially the days of like the Dirty Dozen are just gone because mm-hmm. like there are no there are no maybe Clint Eastwood and a couple other people, but even then there's just there's just not enough where people right. care. Today's today's you know generation thinks that Clint Eastwood is a you know, an angry old man on the yeah, lawn shaking his fist at children. They tried to yeah. they tried to do that with the expendables and I, I honestly think it failed because people just there's just too much, you know. Mm. Especially by the third expendables, there was like a freaking like twenty of them or something. And I'm like, Oh God, that means we have to follow twenty people around and each have their own like little but story. Yeah, don't because you don't actually have to go and see any of these crappy movies. You don't have to. You don't like, have to like, spend twenty five bucks on it. No. But the whole point is, I mean, I I bought all three Expendables movies on Blu-ray, but that's just because you know I'm a completist. Yes, know? yes, I'm a little OCD, a little OCD, a little OCD. But I like I like uh, the Expendables, you know. Um, but like I said, by the third time they were like, well, we got more money, let's put more. More cameos and, and, and it just becomes them. too much. So what if they had animal cameos? What if there were Win Tin Tin and Wonton Tan and Benji and Lassie and Howard the Duck and Bugs Bunny and all sorts of critters in there? Jen's <laughs> Jen's face was just the same look she was having during the the movie. <laughs> I recognize that look. That's a Miss Werewolf look. <laughs> so what time is it now? Is it did we just finish up the stinkometer? Yeah, <laughs> we did. All right, guys. Well, it, there's food for a lot more discussion, but we will have to continue this at utter time. Thank you all very, very much for showing up. Thank you, Just Jen. Yes. Thank you, Joe. What's what uh, your nickname now? Uh, well, I just said Simply Joe. You guys all have nicknames, so I just call myself Simply Joe. There you I, go. I'll well, just find something You'll have to come up with something that. interesting. And, and uh, No, not the Kane Hodder one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so Come thanks on, you all very on. much for joining us. Thanks you to our audience. Please join our Patreon if you get the chance. And we will see you next time for an utter episode of Indie Film Cafe. Mm-hmm.
Bye. One time time. Nope. Ring 10 10.